Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC Edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Busker. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing great. How are you? I've got no complaints right now. I really That's a don't. first. I mean, I could come up with some complaints, but... I'm yeah. sure I'm sure some will come to you as we proceed through the episode. Yeah. We're very- we did it, though. We made it to the end of the regular season. Woo! We did. Yeah, with Army, Navy finishing up, we have gotten through the season here in the America. We've got bowl games to come, yep. but you know, depends on how much uh, emphasis you put on bowl games, how much those actually matter these days. <laughs> I think it's become, unless you're in like the new, actually I'm going to go as far as to say, unless, unless you're Tulane in this new year's six bowl, or unless you're, you know, a playoff team, it's really just more about the experience. I don't know. Yeah. That's all. I, th- I think that's not unfair to say. Okay. I mean, I don't say that in a mean way either. Cause like, obviously what are bowl games supposed to be, right? They're supposed to be a reward for players at the end of the season for a mm-hmm. year well spent. You go to hypothetically a place you'd want to go to for a week. <laughs> Some people do. All, though sometimes that's not always the case because there's, you know, no one wants to go to Shreveport for a week. Okay. We get it. But that's not the point. Like originally that was kind of the thing. It's a, it's a reward. Or El Paso. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, there's a level. Some people go to the Hawaii Bowl. Some people go to the, so you know, to uh, I don't know the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. They're just they're different. I like that one, but they are different vibe. That, that's all. I'm not I'm Birmingham Bowl. Then how about you know? I, mean? I was actually gonna go to that one, but it's not necessarily a shot at Birmingham. You're just not Hawaii, right? <laughs> that's fair. Well, none of them are the Bahamas, so which is where you're headed next week. So this week, this week. Yeah, in already, two days oh yeah we're already in it we are deep so in excited. it yes <laughs> um but yeah we will get to all the bull stuff in the second half of this podcast episode and we will be joined by a special guest that will be participating in one of those said bowl games and one that we you know most people actually care about so that'll be fun but we're not going to tell you great, who yet great bowl we got a I don't even know who's playing in that this year. I don't either. Wisconsin or somewhere. Oh, no. No, it's something you guys are very much going to enjoy. So make sure you stay tuned for the second half of the podcast for that. But now we need to recap the epic finale of the season. The the game that gets its own day. Mm -hmm. Army-Navy. The 123rd edition of the Army-Navy game in Philly. Navy 17, Army 20 in two overtimes. That's right, Emily. They, <laughs> the over underlying. That's an they over. hit they the over. over. I times, but they hit the over. And I it called it. Killed me, and it kills me. I told you. I literally said it. Not count. That should not count. Well, they do. 
So it was a pure, it was a great underplay until they accidentally went to overtime for the first time in the history of this game. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, it was the game itself. I got to tell you. So like, obviously I was there in Philly. Um, it was very cold, which was to be expected. Um, it, the first half of the game, the, I'll start with this. The pregame was as per usual, just incredible. All of the ceremony, all of the entire like cadets for both teams come out on the field. They march the field. They have the bands and you've got all of the cadets in the stands just screaming. It, it was, it, it's as usual epic. They had a great flyover this time. They had the leapfrogs from both army and Navy fly, mm-hmm. parachute into the stadium um, with the giant flag. And it's just, it's the most American thing I ha- ever, it's just, you get chills watching it. Yeah. So pregame was on point. But I got to tell you, the first half of that game was so rough. I was a good defensive battle. It was a good. I was questioning my life choices at that point, where I was like, I, I think at one point I was just texting you the word "under" over and over. Yeah, and over. I, yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was like, right. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not looking good. It was not looking good. There was there was a, a hell of a lot of defense. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, after watching the game in its entirety. I think, and this isn't a genius like observation or anything, but they were both being very conservative because we just saw so much creativity towards the end and in the overtimes. And I'm, I'm like, surprised with how creative they got in overtime out. Yeah, yes, they can clearly they can execute passing plays. They can do things like that. But so why save it for the end? Why not come out yeah. and get the lead and then protect it? Yeah, I kind of agree. I understand. Like, I mean, part of the passing game for both teams is the run sets up the pass. Like once the other mm-hmm. team says, all right, we have to put nine or 10 in the box, then you can potentially hit a shot play when they're just not looking and you slip by them. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what they do for passing plays when they pass. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it, I think when you get those scores, is they just know each other so well that it's so hard to move. Like that offense that other teams just like, you know, say an ECU or a Temple or a UCF, seeing as Navy's got two straight ones against UCF, mm-hmm. they don't see the triple that option, that offense. They don't see that offense that often. Uh, it's a tricky offense to stop if you don't know what you're expecting, but those two defenses really know what to expect. Yeah. And they're both very, very well-coached teams, and I think that's why the defense always stands so strong in this game. Um, I agree, though. I would have liked to see a little bit more creative aggression. Mm-hmm. But I thought with the talent that's on both the rosters, especially on Navy side with I mean, we finally saw Anton Hall get loose with that 77 yeah. yard run. That's what I thought we were going to be seeing more of in the beginning. And so, you know, that was disappointing knowing that they could do that, but not seeing it being hammered out was frustrating. Um mm-hmm. But obviously, it led to a very exciting finale in the first overtime game in the, in this yeah. rivalry. So that's yeah. double overtime. Both teams yes. had quick touchdowns in the first one, back mm-hmm. and forth. Then uh, it looked like Navy was going to punch it in the fumble on the goal line that uh, Army yeah. recovered on. It was third and goal from I think the one or the two when he fumbled. Do it. you think that that Anton Hall fumble got Kenny Matalolo fired? Yes, and I know. say it that way because yes, do you yeah. think it's because they lost this game that he got fired? Because he told yeah. everybody that he was fired immediately after the game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, That's wild. I've, got, I've got about a page of notes on the Kenyamatololo firing. But um, yeah, short answer is yes, losing this game got Kenyamatololo fired. That's uh, crazy. More things. I think if they come into this game at seven and four instead of at mm-hmm. four and seven, 
it's different. You know it's what I mean? Different. Yeah. Had you been in Air Force this year, maybe it's different, but you didn't. Uh, and there's no way to get around. You know what I mean? I know it was a couple of bad years in a row at the end. And I mean, do you want to jump into the kin firing now? I'll just say, I'll, no, no, I think that's, that is because we are going to have, you know, an army uh, player come on and talk about what, you know, the game was like from their, his perspective. And and he will actually walk us through that fumble that, you know, changed the course of history for not only Ken, but just everybody in the game. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that with him, but yes, I think we should touch on this. And this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. I was able to speak to Ken after the game and he did seem different. Now I chalked that up to the loss, like most people in the room, but he was a lot more um, free spoken and outspoken about things that I feel like he normally wouldn't have commented on. For example, the tripping that was not Mm -hmm. called. He was very, very vocal and said, Hey, I might get fined for this, but, but that was ridiculous. Like, how could you not, call that how could you not see it so he, think he'll he get and i wonder right well and that's i'm wondering if like that he knew do you know what i mean well, and like he was just like well, whatever i'm just gonna fire then he's not under contract which means they really can't find him i don't think i don't mean I'm. Not but i think but like rule, it's but... not that maybe he had been fired prior to the press conference i don't think that but i'm saying i think that he knew that he was yeah. going to be fired because well, the way he was speaking was very candid yeah. and he's not always like that the article that I, I read, and I think you read too, which was from um, Heather Denich on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I, from my understanding of that article, he was sitting in the locker room immediately after the game, a little bit, you know, dealing with the emotions of that type of loss when Gladchuk walked in and fired him. And from my understanding from that article, Ken asked him, said, my contract goes for one more year. Can I finish up the year and let me resign and let me like go out on my own terms? And he said, no, you're out. And I think that's wow. ridiculous. And so I think he probably already was fired by the time we got to the press conference. Um, wow. But that then why would he say that? Like, oh, I might be fined if you already maybe, knew he well, was. I mean, well, maybe it's just one of those things that you say as a coach because you're so used to, like, the potential. I don't know. It's a complete. But see, just because they're saying he was sitting by himself in the locker room, that could have been after the press conference. Yeah, well, we no, don't, that, we yeah, don't know that, when that was. Yeah, so. That's true. But there was, I mean. Because they came in pretty quick. I'll tell you this. After the game, Navy brought in Coach Ken ex- like extremely quickly right after. And then um, and then we went to the Army one after that. And they waited about an hour before we got to see them. So I'm sure they were partying. Yeah. I d- they were because the players were on live and we were able to see that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know there would have been enough time to have that. I mean, I, don't, I guess it was a quick conversation, but yeah, I mean, it's I just think cra- it's crazy. I think it's a decision Gladchuk deserves to get fired for, frankly. I think it's that bad. Especially the way in which it's delivered. It sounds like the way it was. I'll say this. I I spoke to one of the Army coaches. I spoke to a few of them. And I had to ask him about this because, you know, what? I was like, what do you think about this? And, and, And what are your thoughts? Even though I know it's not their academy. But I was like, I can't believe this. And And one of the coaches responded, no doubt it's a very tough business, especially how they think you can do coach football at academies now academy ball is harder than ever mm-hmm. and it so uh, i thought that was compl- interesting 
it's in the Heather Dennich article actually as well. So people should go read that because I am this little, that's a little bit of regurgitation, but Navy has disadvantages against every team they play every single year, every, yeah. like all season being in the AAC, in my opinion, makes it an almost impossible job because you're playing against teams that have better talent advantages and insanely better facilities. Navy shares a football practice facility with volleyball or gymnastics. Sorry. You know, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's insane. Uh, they've got disadvantages compared to other academies, like what time mm-hmm. their classes end uh, and things like that. Yeah. It's not the other academies, red shirt, army, red shirts, air force, red shirts. Yeah. Navy doesn't red shirt. That's no. it's decisions above the football program, but that's a disadvantage, especially with the COVID year. You know, Navy has been incredibly young freshmen and sophomores compared to juniors and seniors everywhere else and like yeah. oftentimes fifth year seniors and it's ridiculous i'm gonna you know say I mean? it was a dick move it was a no, dick move i don't like it yeah and you know, i think back to the ivan jasper situation last year do you remember that mm-hmm. uh ivan jasper another great great just person uh offense coordinator for navy for years like right hand to kenny montalolo vladjik mm-hmm. tried to fire him for <laughs> Like, yeah, he, he and who's and who stepped in? Can stepped in and saved you know. Mm-hmm. So obviously there was tension between these two, yeah. and it came to a head. But I think Kenneth Nia is right in that if he wins that game, he doesn't he doesn't get fired after beating Army. So oh, it is impossible to fire him, and I think Gladchuk wanted to fire him for some time now. I think yeah, so too. So. It's just you know what's crazy about all this. Had this been done. A few days earlier, we could have seen Ken as the next head coach at Stanford, which would have been an incredible fit. Yeah, hypothetically, we could have. I mean, I think Troy Taylor is your guy who you wanted. I do like Troy Taylor, but if I had to choose between him and Ken, I might I might choose Ken. So it'd be interesting. Um, He'll 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 coach somewhere, you know. Yeah, and Gladchuk's made it very clear that the goal at Navy is to win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy and make a bowl game every single year. And he says he's given the program the means to do so, and I think that's a big, fat lie. Yeah. I I think it's just either he's out of touch with the reality of what it takes to win those things, or he's just straight up lying that he's done it. Yeah. I I don't know who's going to come in and do a better job than Ken has been doing consistently. Also, (laughs) this might might be silly, but Uh if part of the game is we say this about college it's not just about wins and losses it's about mm-hmm. developing young men right right uh, i think most we mostly know that's a lie for most programs now. that gets lost in the shuffle but some it's, places do important, place right? emphasis on it yes in the military academies it's supposed it's definitely supposed yeah. to be more important you know i it's not alabama it's not auburn it's not it's no. not even south carolina for you know what i mean that was that's kind of like what Jason McDonald said in our last podcast, where mm-hmm. he's like, every one of these guys is a guy I would let date my daughter, his hypothetical mm-hmm. daughter, because yeah. that's the kind of guy they're cultivating. It's the kind of guy they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah. not always easy to find them. But I, I yeah, just exactly. I'm at a loss. I really am and, for and Matalolo was a better developer of the human being than I think there is. out yeah. there. He's yes. a better person than I think any other college coach really God is. bless the guy it's that has there. to fill his shoes. Like, seriously. Absolutely. I saw some <laughs> Navy person on tour like, well, don't worry. We'll get a Paul Johnson disciple to replace him. Kenny Amatololo is a Paul Johnson disciple. Mm. Like, why do you think that's mm. better to get a different person? Like, and yes. also, I just do want to go quickly through his resume real quick because okay. it deserves to go through. Because the on-field success is also extraordinary, not just the off-field stuff that we okay. like him for. 
109-83 record at Navy. That's 50 more wins than the next highest winning coach in program history. He has six commander-in-chief trophies. That's more than either Army or Air Force during his tenure. Mm-hmm. He has beaten Notre Dame three times. The three times that Notre Dame was beaten before he became the head coach was 2007 when he was the offense coordinator, then 1963 and 1961. Like, 11 bowl appearances. Yeah. This is three AAC Coach of the Year awards. He has won the Army-Navy game more than any other coach in the history of that rivalry. I'm sorry, but what am I missing? What, how is that? Yeah, not I don't. How is that <laughs> not I honestly don't understand. I know the I know since COVID it's been difficult. And that's again, Ken would tell you it's largely due to the youth and the inability to redshirt that other teams had. And he'll be the first to tell you that they mishandled practicing during COVID because out of an abundance of caution. You know what I mean? And yeah. maybe not maybe mishandling isn't the right word there because it was out of caution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it cost them dearly on the field that season and the youth has cost them since to an extent and part of partially an extent playing in the AAC every week instead of a soft out of conference schedule. Like, you know, they could have scheduled UMass if they were out of conference or if they're an independent rather, you know what I mean? But they didn't have the room this year. Anyways. It's just, just a sad day. I woke up I that just, morning, just, mm-hmm. it was just un- unfathomable, you know, that, 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 that is what came out of this weekend because yeah. God, there's so many levels. It's wrong. I think, it's just wrong. Yeah. I just don't know what more you could expect from a coach at Navy. Yeah. And I think it's just a sign that Gladchuk's out of touch with reality to some extent. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's a dick move. I'm going to say it again because it's just, it was not right. But, you know, obviously we, we wish him the best and we, we hope that Navy finds somebody. A good replacement. I yeah. don't know that I don't think anyone could live up to Ken and that's, no. that's not going to be fair to whoever the next guy is, but hopefully they get someone good. I'm very interested to see what, what candidates come out of you this coaching assume, search. You would assume it has to be a triple option guy, but like who does the triple better than Ken and Ivan Jasper, maybe Jeff mm. Monkey, who's at army, maybe, you know, Troy Calhoun, who's at air force. Like who are you going to like say that does that thing better? Because the North Dakota state um, offensive coordinator is pretty good. You just can't run a straight up, straight regular offense at the. No, North Dakota State's famous for the triple, though. I mean, for on their end. I mean, they run more of a power offense. It's not a straight. Okay. I mean, it's not. It's not the triple per se, but it's adjacent enough where you could go like a adapt or die. uh, Oh shit! I'm forgetting. Who's the Georgia Southern coach that got fired before Clay Helton? Oh, um, Lunsford. Maybe a Chad Lunsford. Chad Lunsford. Where he runs more of a modernized triple. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see. But Godspeed, Ken Niamatololo. You will be always remembered fondly on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully (laughs) if he wants to just ride off into the sunset and hopefully he gets that, if he wants to be. I hope he comes. I hope he comes back. We got to get him on. I'm going to try and reach out to him and be like, Coach, you got to come on here. And for old time's sake. Exactly. I just hope he's happy with whatever happens. Yeah, me too. I just wanted to be happy. All right. It is time now to circle back. We we talked enough about coaches stuff. That's I can't handle anymore. My heart can't take it. I don't want to talk about it. So let's go back to this Army Navy game because I'm not done talking about it. It was such an incredible experience. And the thing is, like, I wasn't on the field. Well, I was on the field, but I wasn't on the field. You know what I mean? So 
we're going to bring on somebody who was actually there on the field, partaking in, in the downs and, and getting the taste of what that game is like. So we'd like to welcome a, a warm welcome to the underdog dynasty podcast, Calvin Crummy from army. Congratulations on the win and welcome to the underdog dynasty podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, we're very excited to have somebody to give us the perspective on the field. But before we go into, you know, everything that people are going to want to know, and they're going to want to know about that, the force fumble, we're going to, I'm just going to, we're going to talk about it. So, but before we get there, let's talk about kind of how you found yourself at Army and, um, cause you're from Tuscaloosa, correct? Correct. And that's like heart of football. I mean, I've never been to be fair. I don't think Dan's been either. Have you? So Tuscaloosa now. Yeah. So, but that's like, people talk about that as like the homeland of football because you have Alabama there, but you chose a very different, more, in my opinion, respectable path. So I'd love to hear how you, how you got to West Point. Um, just through football recruiting through high school, um, was, uh, received the offer. Uh, then I eventually came with my official visit after my, uh, high school season ended. Um, me and my family, we fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the staff and like just the overall impact that it can have on your life. But, um, for college and after football's over. So um, we just fell in love with all those things and decided to commit um, later that month, I think on Christmas day, actually. Oh, that's such a great story. What a great Christmas gift. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Do you have any uh, like family in the military that kind of would have steered you in that direction? Or are you the first? Um, I've had grandparents, both my grandparents were in, in the army actually. Okay. So I talked to them before um, about what they knew about West Point and like how they felt about the officers and all that. And they got some feedback. So then I could make sure that I was making the right decision. Okay. What has been, I mean, obviously being from Alabama, deep South, very different upstate New York. Although I love West Point. I've been a couple of times. I was actually at your Colgate game this year, which was fun. Um, what has been the biggest change coming from, you know, a, the South into a city like West Point, New York. I would say just the adjustment to the weather. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, it's the biggest thing. It's just um, I had to get a lot more winter clothes. Uh, really don't have a jacket. Still trying to find one of those. Uh, <laughs> it's very brutal during winter time. You gotta get this man a coat. That's what I said about this Army Navy game. I showed up in a dress. I live in California, so when the guys were like, "Oh, it's just, it's not gonna be that cold," so I wore a dress. And, it, and I, I don't really even own a coat, but it was cold at the game, right? It was very cold. <laughs> okay. So the I'm not crazy. To, the trick to blend in with the Northerners is to wear a hoodie and basketball shorts. That's all. What? Yeah, that's how, yeah, that's show that, that you're not cold. You're oh, not you're cold, tough. Like you're tough because yeah. you can wear shorts in cold weather. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. That's, I've never heard that, but I actually, well, well I did that then. So from New I can't. I can't tell you how many people at the game were like, oh, sweetie, aren't you cold? I was like, <laughs> I'm going to punch somebody. But anyways, um, th- I, that's awesome. And so what was your, what is this year particularly for Army has been, you know, I don't know, like up and down. You guys have won some games. There's been some that have been tough. But when I came out to Colgate, the theme was like resilience and fighting through and like, you know, getting to these wins and kind of capitalizing on that throughout the season. So how would you sum up this year for Army football for you and the team? Um, I think like uh, this year has been just very challenging. I think that throughout the entire time we have never given up. And that shows like um, the brand of uh, football that we play here in Army and just like the brotherhood that we love for each other to never give up and just continue to fight through all the adversity that we have faced throughout the year. 
And like, no matter who's playing in uh, whatever position at whatever time, whenever your number's called, just to be able to step up and uh, provide for the team. I like it. Dan, do you have a question? Well, yeah, you guys got to six wins there. Have you heard anything about bowl game possibility this season? I don't believe we're able to get a bowl game because of no. two um, FCS, yeah, FCS yeah. wins. Yeah, the, I think that's why we're yeah. not allowed yeah. to get one. Yeah, I didn't know that, but I know a couple of five and seven teams snuck in. So I didn't no, know. That, and that was something that we asked Coach Munkin after the press conference at the game is, you know, how much he wishes you guys could be playing in a bowl game. And he was very adamant that he wishes that they could, you know, because yeah. everybody yeah. loves the bowl game, you know, that extra game. Yeah. So, yeah, it's another chance to go out there and play with your teammates and just like get to spend time with the boys like outside of um, <laughs> outside of campus. Yeah, you guys get to get off base for that. So that would have been. Would have been nice. Like somewhere beachy would have been nice, probably, but you know, yeah. next, year, next year, next year for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was your second Army Navy game, right? I've got that right. Uh, for, yes, sir. Freshman year, mm-hmm. I'm dressed yeah, as well. The first one was in New York. This one was in Philadelphia. Did you mm-hmm. notice a distinct difference in the two atmospheres, or was it pretty much a similar environment for you as a player? I'm not sure. I think um, just being more involved in the game this year, it felt different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like um, just like a, I don't know. It was like, it was hard. It's hard to explain the atmosphere. <laughs> like I was, it was like nerve wracking, like going out there, seeing all the fans and just like how loud it was actually on the field, like trying to communicate to each other and everything. It was loud it, and it, it always is. And, and you think people always think like, oh, it's a, a service economy game. So, cause they see the cadets and they see everybody in the stands. And so they think, oh, it's probably pretty respectful. And it is, but when y'all, when the, people are walking in on the field. I mean, the cadets are going crazy. They they're yelling, they're kind of heckling all the different units. And (laughs) I was hearing it. And even during the game, when you guys were about to go to overtime, that's when it got the loudest. I mean, they were doing the the chanting and I have a video on your sideline of you guys kind of bouncing up and down to sandstorm and everyone was just, the energy was like, yeah. It was good. So Dan, you got to come next time because you can't, you can't describe it. To, you have to like be there. You can't describe yeah, you it. You have to have to be there to know how that well, exactly. goes. I think next year you're going to be in Boston. So. Oh, yeah, it's in Boston. Yeah. Right. Are they ever going to play it somewhere warm or no? Just no. I think the closest Maryland for this South. <laughs> okay. Baltimore. But Baltimore. Jeez. Yeah. Bring it to Philly, California. I like Philly for it because it's pretty much in between the two campuses. You know? Yeah. I think it's a good neutral. I spot. thought the New York one was really incredible, but I think it was because it was the anniversary of 9-11. So they had the very yeah. awesome tributes and it, it, they pulled out all the stops. And so that was kind of neat. This year was different, but it was still, I loved um, the, you, I don't know if you guys see this, but the leapfrogs that come in and do you guys get to see no, all that? You're in the locker room. Yeah. did not see any of that. Uh-huh. Well, that's okay. It's really cool though. I, that was like, <laughs> I love seeing the guys parachute in and do all that stuff. But anyways, we're getting way off track here. Um, can you describe to me instead of the atmospheric stuff, t- playing against a team like Navy, which very much mirrors you guys, you know, it's like kind of like playing against yourselves a little bit right. in that you operate the same way. What did you see from this year's Navy team that made them hard to play? Um, I felt that they were just very versatile. They trying to change up what they were doing. Well, they, they did a lot of the same things they did during the season, mm-hmm. but um, they're just a very good team. They, they started getting it more on the perimeter, trying to like stretch our defense out. Um, but I think our teammates did very good just running side to side. Um, Chris, I think we have four players over 10 tackles. Chris Frey, mm-hmm. Leo Lowen had 16. Yeah. Just players like that that were just like playing their absolute minds out and like 
it was incredible to watch them play and just see them do their things. Was that like um, infectious? See, when you see guys like that going out of their mind, does that kind of pump you up and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get on that level? Yeah, exactly. Because we're just all just trying to play for each other and match each other's energy. So when you're excited for the um, person beside you that's making plays and then you want to make plays to help just the overall, the team just win in general. So do whatever it takes to win. Awesome. Dan? Oh, man, I was hoping you had another. Oh, no. me, I got more. I will go all day because I got all, I always try and give Dan some time because I manipulate it all. I, I well, like to have I, it. Was, I thought you had another one coming up. I have so many questions, but yeah. I'm no, trying to make no. time for my co-host. That's a good partnership. <laughs> Go, go, Emily, go. Oh, okay. I want to talk about the last play of the game. Or not the last play, but the fumble, okay? Because I was down there in the end zone, and I'm going to make this about me for a minute because it's it's going to be about you, obviously, (laughs) but I'm going to make it about me. I was down there on the field as the media gets to go down and watch the end of the game from the field, and uh, I, I was actually excited. Went to overtime because first time ever going to overtime. So exciting. And not only that double overtime, like you got no way. So excited. So I'm sitting there and I'm filming, you know, from I'm in the end zone, literally almost in the middle. So I'm filming straight, straight at you guys. I'm like, Oh my God, you see this hole and you see Anton trying to go through it. And it looks like he's going to get there. And then out of nowhere, you come in, Okay. And the ball goes, I have no idea where. And then that dog pile stayed there for what people don't realize is that they, you guys stayed like that yeah. for like five minutes before they finally yeah. pulled everybody out. But you guys realized right away that you had had it. So basically mm-hmm. I, I want to know, how do you process something that's going that fast when the ball comes out? Like, what is the mindset? Walk me through that play, like from through your eyes. Um, we made our checks. Me and Leo did um, mm-hmm. to get everybody, the whole defense check. Uh, we get ready to get sense. We kind of like, we have like an idea of like these two plays that they have because of the formation and all those things that we have did from studying, like the great job that our like um, quality control people have done for like providing us with the looks and like personnel and all this stuff to be able to give us like the main idea of like what we can get out of these formations. And um, we kind of notice the play, like we tell each other what play we think is going to come. And then uh, it starts developing and we like notice the play. So we try to react. Mm-hmm. And then they just like, uh, I don't know if it was like design or not, but they cut it backside, just kind of mm-hmm. like threw us off because they didn't technically have the numbers. But ended up uh, Austin Hill came in with a good uh, initial stop, hit him from low, um, kind of like jarred the ball up a little bit to like yeah. losing the protection. And then luckily I had enough time to run, uh, like fall back from like my initial read and was able to just jump and hit the ball directly, on the, uh, hit my hand directly on the ball as so I was making the tackle and, I immediately I felt the ball gone and then oh my god uh, started looking for it and I saw G Rich jump on the pal jump right on the ball and I knew exactly it was our I knew immediately it was our ball so I was just like waiting for the rest to make the decision and it was like five like, minutes. Is that shocking that D- Darius Richardson of all people because he's a huge guy probably the biggest guy on the team I heard from his D line coach he's the biggest eater on the team. Um, <laughs> is that surprising that he's the guy that ended up getting to it quickest? No, um, Deerich has done like an amazing job this year. Like okay. just seeing the way that he's developed throughout um, watching films, he walked from the beginning of the season to now. We talk about it in our own D- um, linebacker means that he has done an amazing job just improving as a player overall in general, um, just proving his technique. And like it was just like such an amazing. Like if anybody would have got it, I, I you could have told me Deerich, and I would have believed you a hundred percent at the top. Are you happy that he's the guy that, that came up with it? Is that like, is that who you would choose if you could pick somebody to have come I up with pick it? Anybody, honestly, <laughs> I don't care who got it. it you just are glad you got it. Yeah. Yep. 
That's fair. Coach Munkin himself. It doesn't matter. As long as he got the ball. Coach Munkin, that would have been something. I he yeah. probably would come up with it. He's he would. I heard he he's on his new. I was talking about his uh, diet regime. He's uh he's eating cleaner, eating healthier, and so you know he's definitely lean out there. No, he he, he is because he's a foodie. I was told, and but he's definitely he's changed um, the way he eats. So you know he's uh-huh. yeah. Anyways, well, that's awesome. I, I'm i telling you, I, I'm watching this pile and looking for the ball, and I don't know how you guys see it. And that's kind of the question is, like, when you feel it, you you get it loose like that, and you said you were looking for it, you're trying to track it. How how do you keep track? I mean, like, someone who doesn't play football doesn't know. How do you keep track of the ball like that? Um, Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard because you, like, it's kind of like a natural feel. So you try mm-hmm. to look at the – use your vision as, like, you're looking like you're the running back. So you're trying to see the hole that they will find and then just wind back to it with them and meet them there. And then luckily Austin stopped the initial charge and yeah. kind of like loosen the ball up so I can go in and finish it off. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was such a great moment. Yeah, I still can't believe it. <laughs> That's exactly what Coach Munkin said after the game. He's like, I don't know how this happened, but it's amazing and we're going to run with it. So Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, the emotions on that are crazy. On the sideline, did you feel like you came down and came back up when the game ended, or did you just stay that same level of high energy the whole time when you're just like buzzing? Uh, I think we it kind of stayed the same. Like at that moment, that when we started bouncing like that, um, we, it was just a change of momentum, I think. And then we kind of just felt like, okay, we can really win this game. We already knew that we could, and like we we're just all. It was just like crazy how like everybody was bought in, bought in. Um, for one time and just everything that you have worked for the whole season ever since last January uh, when we started all season workouts and all that and just everything all the time and dedication we all put into this for this one moment to just come down to like this will make or like break your season and you guys had a special visitor in the locker room after the game because we sure. were waiting for y'all in post game but you guys had and I don't know how to correctly say the title so maybe you can say that and explain why that was such a, a special thing to happen Yes, that's it was. Okay. So, so it was a very big deal for him to be there. And even coach Munkin said in the post game, you know, to be recognized by somebody that high up the highest up in the whole organization was a huge deal. And so what was like his presence, like being in there and and getting to see him and hear him speak? What was that like? Uh, It was an amazing feeling. The uh, overall, like the speech in general, like Mm -hmm. I wish I could get a recording of that because like it actually like sent chills on your spine. Like, Oh like, you know, you're like in the moment of being um, in history and like somebody so important that like not a lot of people are going to be a chance to like meet somebody that important throughout their entire life or somebody with that much power. And just to be able to be in his presence was just like was a um, memory that I would, I would like remember forever. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, Dan, do you have anything else before we let this young man get back to his finals? We should let him get back to his finals. <laughs> Well, okay. One last question. Um, actually two, two parter. One of them's fun. What did you, or if you could have any celebratory meal after a win like that, what would be your go-to food that you would choose to eat? If you could have anything. (laughs) Ice cream. Ice cream. cream. That's my favorite food on the planet of earth. What flavor? Um, crazy colors, blue bell. (laughs) It's like the, if you ever heard of Superman, it's like the colorful, the red, blue, green, yellow. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. I, I've never even heard of it. I'm going to have to Google this. That sounds... I know what you're talking about. I you mean, do? Uh, I know he's talking Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not my choice, but I know what he's talking about. <laughs> Whatever, Dan. You're probably like a... I don't even... Like, you're either a vanilla or you're like that... Cookies and cream? I wouldn't have yeah. said that. I was going to say the weird spumoni, like Italian one that's like tricolor. Um, not the worst. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would like that. I knew it. I, I like a lot of the... Neapolitan, yes. Yeah, see, look at you... Yeah. Ben and Jerry's, I like the fish food uh, cherry. Stuff. That's really good. Ben and Jerry's, the only kind that's good is half baked. That's the end of that discussion. So that's incorrect, but okay, we can. It is not incorrect. <laughs> um, all right. So my last question for you before we let you go is, what are you going to work on personally um, in this off season, heading into next season? What's some part of your game that you'd like to improve and really bring in strong next year for for the next season? Um, just mentally, I want to get mentally better, just knowing my assignment at all times, not having to second guess myself, because I feel like throughout the year, uh, Groon as like a player and everyone in general, just knowing what to do when my teammates helping me, like in the other line, in the other line, I think this year we had five different starters at yeah. the inside linebacker position. So all of us are just like sharing the, uh, sharing the load of the team for inside linebacker. But um, just all of us, I think everybody's coming back besides two inside linebackers. So we're all just going to continue to develop and just like just make sure that we know exactly what to do, know all our checks, know all our um, assignments, know all our fits, and that's going to just continue to make the team better. Mm-hmm. Opposing offenses, beware! You have been mm-hmm. warned. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Calvin, for coming on and sharing your perspective for the Army Navy game this year and everything football related. Our underdog dynasty listeners truly appreciate it, and we wish you the best of luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck in your finals this week. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next year. See you. And another great interview for the Underdog Dynasty AAC edition. So good. We we are, we're really upping our guest game on this podcast. The other the other uh, conferences better watch out. Conference USA. I mean, we're coming we're gonna, for you. We're not going to talk about the Sun Belt. We're not gonna talk. <laughs> um, Calvin Crummy, incredible human being. Just a great. I mean, if you need to see anything about him, go watch how he got that ball out from Anton Hall. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. mwah, beautiful. So that was awesome. cool to hear his perspective, right? Yeah, it was. It- Awesome play, awesome game. Uh, But we got bowl season. We do. Uh, Yeah, we do. It really is my favorite time of year. uh, That's nice. I love bowl season. I love being, maybe because I work from home, it's I love it being like a Tuesday at 11 a.m. All of a sudden there's a bowl game on. I love that. That's fair. Yeah, I do. That's like a little March Madness vibe. I think it might. I think working from home is far why I like it. I mean, I also... I like the lower tier bowl games a lot more than the middle tier bowl games because uh-huh. when you get those G5 versus G5 games, most players haven't opted out most they, and they care more. Like I love an Eastern Michigan versus a Western Kentucky bowl game because those players care a lot more about it than say, yeah, I, I, I don't want to put any teams that did, and say they don't care, but you know what I mean? Like mid-level big 10 versus mid-level big 12. It just isn't as players don't care as much. You yeah. know what I mean? 
It's uh, true. It's not fair to put two teams saying they don't care because you know what we forgot to mention is the Heisman real quick. Oh, you want to? Uh, mm, I just say Caleb Williams winning the Heisman was yeah. what I thought. He ran is away. It, I figured what happened. Yeah. Yeah. This was the weirdest Heisman slate that I've seen. In, and I've been a part of all the other. This was weird. It was boring this year. Yeah, it was very boring. Was like and I'm going to say to you what I was too afraid to say on the Internet. Ready? Ooh. When I saw the picture, I'll have to show you the picture I have in mind. But it was like. is fingernails. No, it was the four of them lined up by the trophy, but it oh, was okay. um, Stetson was like on the end, kind of like almost a little bit apart. And he was wearing that weird Letterman jacket. Yeah, because he's as white as you can imagine. Well, it looked like they were all there for his bat mitzvah. That's like what the vibe looked like. <laughs> and I didn't want to like, that's not a, like a Jewish thing. It's just like that's a coming of age party. And that's yeah. what he looked like so young he, in that photo. He looked like he was coming of age and those so were his dorky. buddies. He looked so dorky. Like. Yeah, they all kind of did, though. Like, I've been to a, several Heisman's. Like, for example, the year Chase Young was there, like, oh, yeah. that was a very different vibe than the one that I saw this year. So mm -hmm. that's, that's fair. That's really fair. That's really uh, all I had to say about you know, it. But <laughs> if I had something, yeah, Caleb Williams won. He probably deserved it. He was. I guess. I, I don't think so. Like, I, I would rather they've given it. it. But I mean. I thought Hendon Hooker was deserving to be a finalist more so mm -hmm. than Bennett was. I think oh, CJ Stroud, yeah, his numbers were great. The one good team they really played this season, he was mediocre against at best. I mean, yeah. Penn State and Notre Dame were pretty good too, but he wasn't great against Penn State or Notre Dame either. So, yeah. Kind of step had against the Indians and Rutgers of the world. I don't know. Uh, That's yeah. that. I mean, I just, Next, I thought we should acknowledge it. It was. Next, uh, yeah. I mean, they basically acknowledged the quarterbacks on good teams this year. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to do about it. Like, that's what happened. Yeah. It was what it was, but just think we should touch on it. All right. Let's start. What bowl game do you want to start with? Uh, we're going to go uh, in order by date, is my plan. We've got two okay. bowl games on December 17th. That's this coming Saturday. It uh, is. We're going to start with the Fenway Bowl, which is Cincinnati, Louisville. This is an old Big East rivalry, uh, Keg and Ales, right? Great name for a rivalry. <laughs> uh, campuses are something like an hour apart from one another. Very familiar, very similar programs in there uh, in just about every way. Like mm -hmm. we talked about this with the Scott Satterfield hiring, which is the other thing that actually makes it really fun. Scott Satterfield is flipping from Louisville to Cincinnati to be the head coach from one program to the other. He's so not wild. Co not coaching in this game, uh, but that's crazy. Also, they share the same sideline because this game's at Fenway Park and there's only room for one sideline. Oh, really? So they both have to be on the same side of the field. That's so funny. Love that so, for them. Uh, it's a bowl game, and I'm going to say this a lot. I'm not tracking who's opted out or who's transferring for these games because it's dozens of players each for every team, and that's just too much. Mm -hmm. It's going to change by the time the bowl hits anyway. So That is true. So I don't necessarily want to even begin to too much game analysis because things can happen. It's supposed to be like 40 degrees and raining for this game, by the way. Uh, oh. It's going to be miserable. Yeah, it's you gonna be not fun. It's December in Massachusetts. It's miserable. I will say this: I love Malik Cunningham. I think he yeah. he's okay. very fun to watch. I so I that's what I'm most excited for about this matchup is to see um, how he does against the Cincinnati defense and just to watch him wild out is what I'm hoping for. So, do we have to choose who we think is going to win right now? 
I think we. I was gonna do us have picks, but if you don't want, okay. pick, I mean, no, I'm. I'm, okay. I'm looking at the standings, overall standings. I have sixty-six wins to twenty-three losses. You have fifty-three to thirty-six. That who came in first and who came in last this season ain't changing whether we pick these games or not. Okay. So we can't. It's close play. though. It was close. Closer. Better, closer. Yes. I lost. I lost my last two. I lost the championship game and I lost Army Navy, but you lost Army Navy too. So yeah, because we had to pick Navy. But yeah. I mean, we um, this game. Let's see what the the line is here. I think yep. Louisville's favored by one. So <laughs> great one. Great one. I, I if yeah, if I was a better, I wouldn't touch this game because I've got no idea. Cincinnati obviously yeah. lost the pickle. Both teams lost their coach. Like, how do you I'll pick Cincinnati to keep it in the conference? You know what I mean? But like how do I'm you gonna I'm gonna pick Louisville? I, I don't feel good about it, but I'm gonna do it. So all right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> Moving on, the New Mexico yes. Bowl, SMU and BYU. A couple, oh teams, my god, a couple teams with disappointing seasons, but still bowl eligible, baby. I literally think I don't think there's a game I would rather not watch. I think there's this is there, <laughs> there's not a game a I would rather. Games. There's a lot of games in this. This is the least amount of watching of a game I think I've ever felt. Literally, SMU BYU. Oof. Uh, you're saying that, but I can, can tell you the next game. You're gonna be like, okay, that actually that's no, I don't think so. I really don't. But um, oh, really, the next one's Houston and Louisiana. So, ULL. I would watch for Houston. I would, but see this one, no, I just wrong. don't like either you're, you're, team. You're bitter. You're bitter. No, I would you're watch for Houston right now. You're bitter against us. You're right bitter. Now. I just don't. I just think they outkick their coverage a little bit, and people uh, think they're great they're and they're getting, not. They've been hitting the transfer portal pretty hard and pretty uh, fast so far this off season. Yeah. Uh, not to dive, I'm not diving into it any further than I've seen them. They're making a lot of moves in that. Um, it's looking like the BYU is going to be out without their starting quarterback. So that's interesting. Well, will SMU have Tanner Mordecai? He declared for the draft. Is he playing in this game? I don't know. We don't know. Probably not, though, I would have to say. So who is yeah. who is going to play? <laughs> Preston Stonesman. Yeah. Oh, boy. What's so, so I'm reading this out and it's saying this is the. This was a really um, good game in the early 1980s. If you it's the first postseason matchup between the Cougars and Mustangs since the famous Miracle Bowl for BYU, the 1980 yeah. um, Holiday Bowl. That's so that's, that's kind of it interesting. It was a really good game way back then. Right. So maybe they'll revive it, but I doubt it. So the, I mean, the thing with I probably won't watch. This is the kind of game where you go, "Oh, that matchup doesn't really do it for me." That randomly becomes 63 to 59. Well, it's definitely going to be yes. It's definitely going to be a lot of although BYU's defense. No, I think BYU will do a little better job defensively. They have big, strong guys. SMU does not. You know what I mean? I think it's a mismatch of strength in this game. BYU is is a is a hard nosed, strong team, whereas SMU is sleek. Fast. They're yeah, they're more about. Yeah, so it's it's more. a mismatch in that regard. I don't know what that means for the game, but I who are you gonna pick? Uh, same thing <laughs> I did with the last time. I'm keeping it in the conference. Let me go SMU. Okay, let's see who's favored in this. SMU's favored by five and a half. More than I thought it would be. Yeah, I really don't want to make a choice here. Oh, you're more than welcome to flip a coin. I'm gonna choose SMU because of the conference, but only because of the conference. No, that Big 12 nonsense. No. Uh, moving on to the Independence Bowl, Houston versus Louisiana. That's ULL, Louisiana, Lafayette. Whatever you want to call them. The Raging Cajuns. 
the Billy Napier less raging case. Yes. <laughs> and boy, did it show this season they fell back down to earth in a major way after he took a bunch of their talent too. Yeah, but I bet you uh, he wishes well, he was back there at no, times. No, not, not at his salary scale. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, he's another one. The amount of players transferring out of Florida this offseason and the amount mm-hmm. of them transferring is insane. Yeah. Uh, that's so beside the point. But yeah, Billy Napier left the program and you could see the immediate fall off. Part of it was guys transferred out to either follow Billy Napier or go to a place like LSU. Uh, part of it's just not having a really good coach. Like, say what you will about the Florida Gators this season, Billy Napier is a really good coach. And yeah, that lost as well. For Houston, this was arguably as disappointing a season as anyone had this year. Yeah. The, the team that most people projected to be a New Year's Six contender and certainly an AAC championship game participant. And they went seven and five. And like, yes. it wasn't a good seven and five. It was like a lucky to be seven and five. That's crazy. So like, I mean, this game throws me way less than SMU BYU, to be honest with you. Well, Houston's favored by six and a half. Yeah, I think it's going to be fair. more than that. On a, on a pure talent basis, that's fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be, uh, it should be more. I hate to do the bowl game who is motivated in this one <laughs> yeah but like there is always there is that to a factor of like is houston two days before christmas going to be like got to go out there into the independence bowl and really teach those raging cajuns a lesson or are they gonna, <laughs> like, let's get this over with yeah you know, I, don't know. I mean like i do hate to do that argument because it sounds like you're uh hedging your bet but i'm gonna pick houston i'm yeah. picking houston yeah, you're picking Houston? I'm picking Houston. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, oof, boy. What? This is the next I, one. Just, well, it's the first responder bowl. It's Memphis versus Utah State. Yeah, the face Ooh. you're making. People can't see the face you just made, Ooh. but that's... <laughs> Two six and six teams, but... Utah but really, barely six and six. They yeah, were, yeah. They were worse than that to start That's a generous six and six. They got to six and six because the Mountain West was trash this season. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, the, if Memphis doesn't win this game, yeah, the, do we the, have another serious conversation or no? Silverfield's going to stay at this point. You can't. What yeah. if they what if they ended up going scoreless in the first half like they did against Tulane and then they, they don't come back and then then do you fire like what would it no, take they, for him to get already, fired? They already said he's gained next season with the transfer portal national. You what you can't do is they could go back on it okay. just because they said something well, doesn't mean five, that it's yeah, they could, but here's why I'd say why they wouldn't. Five days okay. after after national signing day, six days after national signing day, do you want your whole class to immediately hit the portal? <laughs> No. What's to say that and they won't the go anyways? It's going to take you two or three weeks to find <laughs> a coach. Like, they're gone if you do that. It's not. There's no loyalty no. in this world anyways, so what does it matter? The guys are going to leave regardless. It doesn't matter Some what you will. do. Some of them will. But, you know what? I but hate it. Not. I hate this new world. Well, adjust. I hate it. Adapt or die, right, I guess? Yeah. I'll just yeah. die. Goodbye. I don't want to guy. It's like there's a country song out now that very well sums this up. And it's like, I don't want to, if this is the way the world's going to be, I don't want to be in this kind of world. You know, I'm going to quit because this is not college football the way that we know it anymore. And and, and that's changing, but I think I don't like it. I I know. And a lot of people don't like it. I think in five years, most people will be over that feeling. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Like other than this, this like nostalgic feeling for the past. And I think that the transfer portal to the extreme that's getting used right now will not be used quite. To, it'll still be a huge part of the game. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're seeing now is the one-time transfer rule has been in, fa- in effect for what, two years? I think it is. Guys are still using their first one-time transfer. I think once you get, you know, you get to everyone in college has been around for the rule for the whole time they've been in college. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll just be capped off a little bit more. It'll die down a little bit. I and hope so. Cause I'm tired of it already. I'm tired of people like fans specifically being panicked over a guy, every guy who enters the portal these days. Like, I'm sorry. Like you have to get over it. Like if your team has 10 guys in the portal, you have to get over it because that means you're taking 10 guys out of the portal. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just need to like learn to live with this is how it is. And like, yeah, like obviously you don't want to lose starters and stuff like that, but like don't panic over every last guy who enters. Just don't Mm -hmm. do it. Um, I'm so sick of that. Like attitude. Uh, We haven't talked at all about the first responder bowl. (laughs) Yeah. So here we go. The Aggies. <clears throat> surrender an average of 37 points over the last three games. Yeah, they're real bad. Memphis operates at a 32, almost 33 point per game level. Pretty good offense. Like not, not terrible. Pretty good but what, where you really see a mismatch is Utah allows a lot of rushing yards, which is not great for Memphis because they don't run the ball that well. No, they're a passing team. Right. So that's why I think it's going to be more interesting than people realize because of that factor that, that that's what Utah state's going to give them and they can't take that. It's good versus bad. I guess is what you're saying. Like Utah states or no, it's bad. It's it's (laughs) bad versus bad. It's bad in Uh, the wrong places for the wrong reasons, but Memphis is obviously the more well-rounded team. I think when you're looking at these two, so yes, I do. Think Memphis is going to win seven points is what they're favored. Yeah, I don't know. I, think I, think... I bet they cover. I bet they cover. Maybe, maybe It'd be a give good day Memphis, for them. Give me, give me Memphis by thirteen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, here's actually probably my other than the Cotton Bowl, my mm-hmm. favorite one for the AAC this offseason. Yeah. Birmingham Bowl, ECU versus Coastal Carolina. I really wanted to go to this uh, one, but I could not make it work. Yeah, it would be a lot more fun if Jamie Chadwell hadn't left for Liberty of all places. And uh, if a uh, little – he's going to play? He's he's transferring, but he's going to play. He said that. In his announcement, he said he's going to finish what he started and play. Interesting. Good for him. But he is transferring. Yeah, uh, I know. I saw that. That is a Grayson McCall move to, a, to stick around after, and play. Yeah, a year after he said, I pissed Teal, he's transferring out. <laughs> Well, yeah, once Chadwell, I mean, that. Well, I mean, that's why, guys, yeah, I don't hold it against guys, but like, you know, it's frustrating sometimes because I really liked watching him with Coastal and I don't want him to go to Liberty just to keep playing for the same guy. I, I hope know. he goes. I hope he gets a power five chance and actually takes the power. Five. I think he should. I think he should. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, Gus maybe should call him or something. Oh, <laughs> I think this is, regardless, this game's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, yeah, I I love this matchup. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's not the same state, but it's the Carolinas matchup. Both in, both in the Eastern Carolinas, uh, it's two you know good G five teams. Mm-hmm. I like this game. I'm excited for it with good fan bases. I think yeah, that true. they're going to travel well. The fans are going to show up. They have very passionate yeah. fan bases, so that's going to be really fun. Game purple versus teal. Yes, game. 
My photographer, Kim, would be dying because she loves that stuff. So that would have been, we thought about going, we couldn't make it work because we have to be at the festival. Yeah, Yeah. it's tough. Oh, you have to be at the festival. We do have to be at the festival. So poor, poor souls. (laughs) Can't make it to Birmingham. We can't miss out on the orangutan pick. It's our favorite thing ever. Yeah. Hey. Um, One of my best interviews I ever did was with Mike Leach about the orangutan pick. Mike Leach. I know. Um, yeah, we haven't touched Speaking on that. Speaking of, and we, we we probably won't talk too much about it, but obviously we're sending okay. prayers and hoping that everything works out. Yeah, not a not a great situation for him, obviously. No. Hopefully it's not the worst, though. though I know. Trying to stay positive, but he's been such an impactful coach. Polarizing, yes, but he's, he's touched a lot of people's lives, players, coaches, media, myself included. One of the best stories I ever wrote was at his behest, and I'll never forget the night that I split a bottle of Tito's vodka with him at media yeah. day. And I, I'll say this. Mike Leach has always been great to the media. Mm-hmm. He, and like you'll hear from a million small uh, journalists coming up who like he helped them in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He is a polarizing figure for how he, a little bit how he treats his players. You know what I mean? Like he's very old school, almost to a fault, the way things into attack. You still hate to see this for anyone, even if you are someone who doesn't love the uh, the pirate of it all. But he's, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we did get into a fight about, you know, the yeah. the format of the playoff. And I'll say that. But we did bond over Scandinavian origins because I am of Dutch descent and... We talked about the Netherlands and and he's just, he, he no. could talk to somebody about anything, anybody yeah. about anything. And and that's something I admire about him. But, so. Emily, he comes out of this on the other side. Can you imagine the five minute answer about what happened? Yeah, it's good. I mean, he'll write a book about it, obviously. So oh, yeah. I, and I hope we get to read it. I honestly hope that's where we're going to be talking about this in a little while. So, yeah. but, um, but we'll see. That's, Besides yeah. the point of our, yes. like, I don't even want to call them <laughs> touching on the bulls. I will um, say this about Coastal. I I thought they were going to be a little bit better than they ended up actually being. And I, I think mean, they started out nine and one, right? Through their first 10 games. But McCall got injured. McCall was injured for the end. Right. right. But McCall can't be everything to everybody. So what really happened and McCall where the week? play defense in the Sunbelt Championship game. <laughs> He did not. He did I mean, not. No one, no one else did either. But right, exactly. So I think if I'm if I'm Houston and ECU, I'm looking very closely at those games and seeing exactly what it is that fell apart. Um, because ECU themselves need to end their own losing skid, you know, that they've been yeah. going through. So the it's really going to be a battle of wills. Yeah, I like ECU. two thick I like, quarterbacks. I like ECU in it. Coastal doesn't have a coach. I like ECU. Yeah. I'm going to go ECU as well. I got to look up Grayson McCall's stats because this is like the thick King bowl game. I think I'd have to look at all the other bowl games to confirm, but well, no, I'm saying we're both quarterbacks are thick King. I mean, Holt Naylor's is the thick King of college football. He was the, he's the thickest quarterback. He just is. I mean, yeah, he, he's got a tight end build. All right. So we we're looking at six, three, two, 16. Not, not great. McCall. Not great. Yeah. A little, little skinny, a little skinny. Yeah. Not, not quite thick enough, unfortunately. A little skinny. Um, we'll have to get back to uh, you on who the real thick King bull. We'll have to. Yeah. I'm actually probably going to go through these matchups and see who, what the thick quarterback. Wait. Bull. Kentucky and Iowa plays in a bowl this year. 
and uh, Will Levis is skipping it for the draft, but there's no way Kentucky's backup isn't just like Jared Lorenzen 2.0, right? We'll see. We'll have to look. I don't know. That's a good question. That's probably a thick king ball. I don't actually know how. Big I'll have to look. Well, I mean, now I'm now I'm invested. I'm probably going to do this tonight because you've got Holden Nailers at six four two thirty. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's tough, that's tough to beat. So I'd like to see what just, quarterback. It's not just a hidden weight, though. It's how you wear it. it. It is, but that's how you at least determine whether you're going to look for a thick king. Is like you look at the measurements and then you go and look at photos. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh. ECU favored by nine. So I'm going to take ECU. Yeah. It's the missing your head coach thing. I think. Almost I think so. Priority. Yeah. Uh, military bowl. That's UCF and Duke. Duke great season this year for our program. <laughs> and uh, that was really down in the dumps. Mike Elko in his first year, eight and four. Really yeah. good under the radar. Very good. Um, UCF obviously disappointing. And really the last three games were frustrating. The loss to Navy, the, Got beat pretty good by Tulane in the championship game. Let USF come back on you, though won that game ultimately. You like to see a little positive momentum going into the offseason in the Big 12. Um, uh, Duke is favored by one and a half in this game. <laughs> it doesn't really surprise me the way UCF ended the season. Uh, uh, yeah, but that's just disrespectful. I feel like UCF's going to come out just pissed. I don't know. You don't think they're going to beat Duke? I don't know what the vibe's going to be from UCF. Oh, Gus will have him. Gus will have him going. I don't know what the vibe's going to be. Well, obviously, think- we're not going to see Plumley. So, oh, he is going to play. So, well, how hurt was he really? Well, I don't know if he's going to play in this game, but he's returning next year. Is why I should. No, I understand. I'm so just, he's not I'm, opting out. Is my point. He might be injured, but he's not. Yeah, opting out. I'm assuming so, that he's yeah. injured because that's what that's what he was but, when I yeah, saw him last. This game's December 28th. We're recording this. December 12th, which is a week and a half after he was playing during the AAC championship game. I guess my answer to that is UCF has given zero updates on his health and who knows. I will all find out. Okay. That'll be my mission. But I, the way that they talked about it and the way that you saw him, I don't, or the way that he looked, I, I'm just like, why, why would he, why would he play in this game? And no, there's there's really not a good reason to, if he's still at all, because he wants to play baseball in the spring. Oh, really? He's, yeah, he's a two-sport athlete. I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. He's a pretty good uh, outfielder. Well, if he plays, then I think it'll be – they'll win for sure. If he doesn't play, I still think it's a battle. But I think yeah. if Duke has their complete team for the most part, yeah. then um, then they'll probably win. Coach of the year was always going to be Sonny Dykes for the job he did at TCU. But Mike Elko deserved serious, serious consideration for the job he did. Okay. And you talk about Sonny Dykes and what he did at TCU. That's Gary Patterson's team. Yeah, but that's the Gary point. Patterson recruited him. But Emily, Gary, Gary Patterson, Patterson coached them. What was the record last year when Gary Patterson was the coach? But what's to say that he couldn't have done what Sonny did this year? I, I have to say. Because his last few years there was the reason why you say that. And I mean, Gary Patterson, there's a statue. Sonny Dykes is not a miracle worker. I have covered him many years. He is not. I I don't think that TCU under Sonny Dykes is going to be a year-in-year-out playoff team by any means. But The reason they're a playoff team is because of Gary Patterson. It's not. Here's what I'm saying, though, is Patterson had let the game in some ways, I think, pass him by. There's a reason there's a statue of him. He's obviously a great coach, especially. He recruited all those guys. Those guys are there because of him. Sonny Dykes did not recruit them. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Sonny Dykes took players that had a losing record the year before and turned them into a playoff team. And that's. He took something that was already there and just ran with it. 
okay, but he took something that wasn't functional the way you, it needed to be, even if it had the tools to be functional. I, I don't know that that wouldn't have panned out the same way if I, Pat, just because it hadn't been the year before, it doesn't it mean but it he wouldn't have figured a, it out. It hadn't been for a few years before. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been this year just because it hadn't been. How many times in college football do we see programs dysfunction and then suddenly function because something clicks, something's different. They cleared the chakras of the locker room. Made, they saged it. Who knows? I made the something different as the head coach, though, and that's why you give him credit. <laughs> I'm not going to give him credit. So. I know you're not. Not ever. It's because he. It's because he coached Cal on your. Staff. No, it's not because no, it has nothing to do with that. Hatred will it's never not. be the end. <laughs> it's not. I don't. It, well, did you see what he did at Cal? It was less than impressive. So I don't. It was. It was. It was a thing. Was it because all they had was Jared Goff, and that was thanks to Tony Franklin, not yeah. to Sunday hey, Dykes. Turned him into a first round pick somehow, or first overall pick, I should say somehow. Yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony Franklin did that. Yes. Sunny right. Dykes is a defense guy, so. Well, Sunny Dykes is an air raid guy. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. He didn't coach the air raid though. Tony Franklin did. It was the Tony Franklin system at Cal. Hey. It was not Sunny Dykes. Well, you I will die say- on that hill. I will die on it. Let the record show Sonny Dykes has already won coach of the year. This isn't like me like making it up that he should win. I know that I know that he already won it. I'm saying all he's saying was that Mike Elko deserves consideration. Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree that Mike Elko should have won it over him. So so did freaking uh freaking Jim Mora Jr. at UConn, though. (laughs) Because getting its own accomplishment in it. Yes. Right. A lot of guys, Kalen DeVore at Washington deserves some consideration for what he turned Jimmy Lake's players into. Mike Riley at Oregon State, who won co-Pac-12 Coach of the Year with him. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who deserve some kind of consideration. There are. There are. Willie Fritz got too late to the New Year Six. You know, Willie Fritz should have won it. it, There's tons of guys, but there's 131 FBS coaches vying for one award, and there's a lot of people who did a good job. Yeah. And again, and Emily, you know this, the coach in the playoff is going to win it. It's so stupid. I hate it. Okay. All right. So yeah. who are you picking? I'm picking UCF. Let's not. Yeah, I'm going to go with you get, too. Let's, let's roll. Get, yeah, let's not get too cute with it here. Let's roll. Let's ride. I'm not going to get away from my roots. My last chance to pick UCF. Yeah, it's your last. There you go. At least on this format. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so those are the non-New Year Six Bowl games that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the Cotton Bowl, she's beautiful. She is beautiful. That's a two lane. And who would have thought, you know? Tulane versus USC. Who uh, would have thought when we started at the beginning of the season that this is where we would end up? Not me. Not I. Not me. I will say this I know we're going to get into it more um, later in the podcast with our guest, but there are some questions, more than some questions about this game. You know, Caleb Williams has said that he is going to play. Oh, how healthy will he be? We don't know, but he did. He has come out and said that he will. I spoke with the director or one of the directors of the combo and he was even asking me, like, have you heard anything? Do we know? We don't know. Uh, He's a gamer. If he can play, he will. Obviously. Should he play? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so, but but he's a sophomore. So people are like, why isn't he saving up for the draft? Because he's got another year. Um, USC has already set out, has done what they set out to do. They've made a point in in Lincoln Riley's first year. They don't need to win this game to further that agenda. Do you know what I mean? They've proved that USC is back on the radar and you have to pay attention Mm -hmm. to them. Whether you like it or not, you have Mm -hmm. to now. Uh, They've proved that, yes, 
Lincoln Riley's offense travels. <laughs> it yes. will work in LA too. They prove yes, Lincoln Riley still can't coach defense and should fire Alex Grinch. Um, Alex Grinch is wild to me that that's where he is. Uh, because uh, I mean, he's a wide Alex, receivers coach and he'll always be a wide receivers coach. So what Alex, is happening? I don't know why people decide he was a great defense coordinator. I don't either. But his last three jobs are Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC defense coordinator at each one. He was the wide receivers coach at Oklahoma before that. I'm going to double check this because maybe I'm. I'm telling you because do you know where he got his start in coaching and where he played? Oregon State. I want New Hampshire. New Hampshire. He is he is part of the Sean McDonald. Yeah. He. He's part of this New Hampshire coaching tree. That's the reason I know. Which, by the way, the, that New Hampshire coaching tree is massive. I'm doing a story on it. Okay. I'm, 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 it's taking me a long time, but the deepest roots in college football are run from New Hampshire and Sean McDonald. They do. Yeah. New Hampshire cornerbacks coach, New Hampshire yep. DB coach, then went to Wyoming, then Missouri. Then 2015, he got his first defense coordinator gig at Washington State under Mike Leach. Oh, wow. Uh, was there for a few years, then went to Ohio State, Oklahoma, and USC. What was he at Oklahoma? At Oklahoma is the defense coordinator and safeties coach. I thought he was a wide receivers coach. That's not what it's saying here. That's weird. I, I could have sworn I saw him coach wide receivers at one uh, point, but the who point knows? Is, the point is he stinks at it. <laughs> um, like, uh, well, anyways, that's the USC. <laughs> USC. Hmm? But USC, like, can't tackle this year. Did yeah, it's bad. Yes, I saw. I know you did. I, I know you did, but, like. Those are those are some USC issues. Now, obviously, we're gonna have some Tulane issues as well. I don't know if you know this or have heard this, but Michael Pratt, after the uh, championship game, was in a boot. Um, I he is not actually. Yeah, that's a little well-known um, tidbit there. He was in a boot. He he his ankle has not been well for a while, mm-hmm. but it's definitely worse than it's been. And there's a couple guys that are not healthy, yeah. just like you, most teams at the I end of the season. Back to the AC championship game, it's a good thing for him that UCF got zero pressure that game. <laughs> yeah, yes, he came out of that one not worse for wear. Thank Which goodness, is but... the first time UCF got tons of pressure, and mm-hmm. second one, not, no pressure whatsoever. So, I'm not bitter. I'm not so we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, depending on, you know, some of these personnel, it's it's going to be a great matchup between two really good teams. Uh, yeah. USC right now is favored by one and a half, which That's if you're it. Tulane, you got to love that. Yeah. Yep. I think they're assuming Caleb's not. Yeah. I would have I thought think that they would give them like a huge, like your USC bump. I think, I think because they think Caleb's not going to play. So we'll yeah. see how that pans out. But um, yeah. we're going to have somebody on. And they're going to help us break down this game in a way that neither of us could because they play for Tulane. All right. We saved the very best, I, in my opinion, of the AAC Bowl games for last. And I actually don't think it's just my opinion. I think that's everybody's opinion. This is going to be the best AAC Bowl game. It's going to be so exciting. We're going to tackle the Tulane-USC matchup. And to do so, we thought, you know what? You hear Dan and I talk about this all the time. We're going to bring somebody on who actually knows what they're talking about. So we're welcoming to the Underdog Dynasty podcast, Shay Wyatt, wide receiver, Tulane. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) All All of my buildup was so that was like the best buildup ever was it wow dan that's (laughs) rude (laughs) what 
Okay. Well, if let's say, well, welcome, first of all, to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. We're very excited to talk to you about, you know, all things Tulane, but I have a first question off the bat question. Uh, if you were going to come on again, which we hope you will one day, what walk-up song would you want to play as your intro music? If, if you were going to come on again as a guest? That's a very good question. Thank you. Uh, if I had to, it'd probably be a, a slow jam. Uh, the, okay. the boys know I, I like jams by Kanye West. I'd probably really, it'd be like a late night type of a jam. That's awesome. I do, I do enjoy that song. I'm very surprised, you know, given your age, because like that song, that album came out like when I was. I don't even want to say, but when I was like your age. So I'm surprised that that's a fan favorite over here. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like to listen to that. <laughs> okay. It's a good song. It is a great song. It's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. So Tulane has had a heck of a year. It's been really fun to watch this offense in particular, you know, the from the play calling to the yardage to the just the fireworks that you guys put off. Why don't you explain to everybody, you know, what's been so special about this year, especially for you on the, on part of this offense. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good. It, it definitely started back in December, um, after our last game and it was against Miss. And I just remember the vibe, you know, we're a better team than where we were, you know, what we put out last year and together, honestly, we just worked hard and, uh, we we attacked each day. and you know with all the changes and stuff that happened, uh, I will say it was a perfect fit. You know every segment they just you know whether it was pushing us up on the little things or you know just taking the time just to ask us how our day was. You know everybody was compassionate. We came in and we were just grinding our tails off. So um, I, I'd be remiss to not state, you know, what we went through, obviously, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, that, I think that's the focal point of what, what happened. And then we, we talk about you guys being the champions of this conference and, and that that's always the goal. You know, every team you talk to, that's the goal. They want to win the conference, but you know, as you're going through, Dan and I've talked about this with other guys, as you're going through the season, you're starting to rack up the wins and things are starting to fall into place and other teams are, you know, not showing up the way that you guys showed up. What point did it start to become like this reality that, that you guys were going to be able to get to that finish line and be in control of your own destiny? Uh, it was day one. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> uh, you know, heading into the spring, we hated each other. And honestly, you know, just iron's iron. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of fell into what can we do to get better? What can we bring to the table? Instead of focusing on the outside noise, focusing on, you know, what's going to happen in the next season. Because I think we were projected like eighth, eighth in the AAC or something like that preseason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just really rounding out the noise. And, um that really where it started and as that manifested it just became a, a daily thing you know and and you know kudos to the coaches for like honestly they it made it um, as a player it more enjoyable that's awesome it's definitely been fun to watch mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Dan, do you want to stop it for a second? Yeah, I can. Recording first. You know, these last few weeks have seemed from the outside looking in like an emotional period. You win the AAC, there's rumors about Coach Willie Fritz. You get the cotton bull bid. Could you walk us through the emotions the past few weeks, especially after, I guess, just how down a season 2021 was? Uh, could you repeat that? I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, I was just wondering if you could walk us through the emotions of the last few weeks. You had, you know, you won the conference. You had to beat Cincinnati on the road to get into the conference championship game. There was rumors about Coach Fritz's future. Now you're in the Cotton Bowl. Just walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> like I said, there, there, are, there really aren't any words to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. Some, uh, like it's surreal. Um, it's obviously a reality that we know that we can and we do have the ability to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we put those, you, you know, those feelings aside for now, I'd say, you know, like we, we've been still working out. It's our second week working out after the AC, AAC championship and, uh, you know, our motto is still the same. Like, it's just one and know, you know, in, in each day. Like, I, I really do enjoy going into the facilities each day and just seeing everybody get better 1%. And, uh, you know, we just keep stacking days. And the Cotton Bowl is just one of those days that uh, we've all been dreaming about. And, you know, we'll have to showcase it. And I, I believe that we'll be ready. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. I'm looking at your stats here because I'm a big stat girl to, to that end. And I'm seeing, you know, you had a decent amount of yardage last year, but this year you nearly du- more than doubled it. And you become a, a target for Michael Pratt, who has been, Michael Pratt, who has been impressive. impressive. What would you say you've what done you to improve your game improve from your last game year to this year? From last year to this year? Uh, definitely catching. Um, I feel like I dropped off on that last year. And, uh, you know, I'd have to give kudos to the play calling also. You know, I have this God-given talent. And, uh, you know, my coordinators, they just put me in positions to where I can make things happen. So a a lot goes into it. I'd say it was just really honing in on the small things that I needed to fix about my game. And, you you know, I credit all my teammates and, everybody that supported me because without them, I really wouldn't be in the spot that I am in that I am today. So. Nice. Dan, do you, Dan, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just yeah, mentioned well, you to us that you were a senior and we talked about that a little bit, but what was that journey? What was that journey? Why, why, how did you end up? There? How did you end up? Why? why? Oh, well, it, it was a bumpy one. I'll tell you that much. Um, so out of high school, I didn't have, uh, very many offers. I had zero stars, if if that means anything to you. But uh, I decided to go to a D2 school in, uh, in Missouri, and it's called Central Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I played there for four years. Um, well, I played there for two years, actually, but I went there for four because I redshirted. And, uh, and then also the COVID year. So after I got my degree there, I decided to grad transfer to Tulane um, and they on they had a, a great program here for uh, industrial hygiene. That's something that I've been eyeing to go into, and, the, and their program was was suitable with what with what I wanted. So uh, it just kind of fell through, you know. The transfer portal, I think everybody knows about it. Uh, it it's literally like a, a 
a coin toss sometimes, you know, heads or tails if if you could go to this school or not. And I was just fortunate enough for uh, Coach Fritz bringing me in and, uh, you know, the rest of, of the staff and the players and everybody, you know, it's 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 not likely that you can go into a environment and, um, you know, just, just be able to be yourself and honestly give you 100%. You're like you're you're complete all every day. I mean, we have we have a surreal environment just going in, you know, on Mondays, just yeah. seeing each other, and it's it's just you know it, it's crazy, honestly. Like Coach Fritz, <laughs> Coach Fritz is a he he knows what he's doing. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he absolutely does, and he that's, absolutely does, and that's we've seen that. Where's your favorite venue to play in? Venue to play in besides Yolman. Besides Yolman. Okay. Uh, I like ECU. Um, it ha- it's just gorgeous, honestly. Like the, the grass field and then the stadium, the stadium complements it as well. Um, and then after that, I- I'd have to say up there is, um, you know, I, you know, just playing in Tampa Bay, you know, where, where Tom Brady plays, you know, I, mm-hmm. I-, I enjoyed going down to USF. Nice. So nice. I- that's my top two. I think you're the first person we've ever said stuff. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, since it was cool too, I will say that. Yeah, they have a good yeah, crowd. They have a good crowd. They do. All right, who All right. on your team? Who on your team is the person you're going to you're for going fashion to advice? Fashion. Like, who has the most like, drip? Who has the most drip? Lawrence Keys or uh, Fat Watts. Oh my god, that was so fast! Yeah, was like so you fast. already, like you already, yeah, you it, 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 it's, right a, it's a no-brainer. I don't know if you pay no cornerback anymore. You said say that one more time. I was just saying. I know she's stuck with wide receivers. I don't think it would be the back or anyone. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm always gonna ride for my guys. I'm gonna ride for my wide outs. Well, last question. Well, what, last is question. what is the thing you're most, most looking forward to about this matchup with about USC? This matchup with USC. Oh, just getting the opportunity. Like, like honestly, just getting the opportunity to showcase what, uh, you know, what what I've been playing this game for for so long. You know, just playing in front of a big crowd, playing and playing a big game. You know, with my brothers and. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been a, it's been a journey, but I'm excited, you know, to cap it on this one. Well, we can't wait to well, see you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. We'll Y'all see you in Dallas. Time. We'll see you in Dallas. <laughs> I'll see you. Good luck. Safe travels. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. Another two lane player in the books for the underdog dynasty podcast. Yeah. Before, you know, we're going to have the whole two lane roster. <laughs> Like your other we team. might, we might. I think we're gonna have another one next next week, guys. So stay tuned. Another uh, two lane offensive player it, gonna be on the pod. So it's a lot of two lane, but you know what? They're the ones in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, they deserve it. Okay, and I was very impressed with with Shay and how he speaks. Um, and I love his story. I think it's so cool to take a guy you know that played at a small school, Division two, Central Missouri, worked really hard, and he was so humble. Not only did he finish with two over two thousand two hundred twenty one career receiving yards there, he became the sixth player in program history to surpass two thousand yards at the school. Mm-hmm. So he had all American second team All American honors. He had 12 touchdowns. I mean, he was incredible. So Willie Fritz showing again and again that he can recruit these guys out of places that people don't really look, you know? Well, 
the other thing about Central Missouri that we don't want to overlook, Willie Fritz was the coach there. <laughs> yes. So he does have a pipeline. Yeah. He, yes. so he had a little insight there to a really, really good one. But at least he has the the wherewithal to like tap those things, you know, because yeah. I know a lot of guys that coach to smaller schools and they don't necessarily think to go back. So mm-hmm. um, you got to give him props for that. But, you know, we didn't really get to talk to him too much about what he sees in USC. And honestly, I don't know that, that these guys are going to. They run a lot of cover three. So we want to attack him like this. That's. Exactly. So why don't you and I talk about what we see in this Tulane USC matchup? You can go first and then I'll go and then we'll make predictions. I mean, the big question everyone's going to have goes to USC and how healthy is Caleb Williams? He says he wants to play. Who knows? Uh, We'll find out come game day. Should he play is the big question. Should he really do that? No. Probably not. I mean, probably not. You don't want to risk losing. If it's it's a playoff game, yes. Great. Go for it. But... USC thinks it can be a playoff team next year, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean they nearly ostensibly, were yes. They nearly were this year. You have your Heisman winning quarterback coming back. There's no reason not to think it, you know, yeah. on the surface. Losing your spring practice for your quarterback is going to hurt if you do something bad to that, you know, to the hamstring. Uh, so you do want to be careful with that. I don't think he goes unless he's 100% just safety-wise. Right. Um and then the question becomes, well, how explosive is USC without him? And it's still yeah, that is the question. The Lincoln Riley coached offense with a quarterback who we really haven't seen at all this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other side of the ball, USC's bad at defense. Mm. I don't people appreciate yes. Alex not is- great tackling, which is good for a guy I- like Ty J Spears, who I- will just shake off tackles left and right. Yeah, he bounces off tackles, and USC doesn't like to tackle. Right, so that's a, just like, going to be hilarious. <laughs> like, USC had this insane luck with turnovers this season where they got, like, every possible turnover, like, gift wrapped to them. And I think we just had on the guy who is going to be the difference maker because Wyatt is Pratt's favorite receiver. He yeah. he definitely favors him. Um, Pratt, or Wyatt has had 329 yards and six touchdowns in just the last five games. So clearly he's the go-to guy. And I think he's going to be the X factor on offense. I know. Wyatt's the explosion. He's right. 19 20 yards to catch. Yeah, so I know. It's insane. Yeah, that's what you need to look if you're trying to blow. I want to be like, how do you do that? Like, like how? If we had more time, I think I would have gone that direction. I just think I don't, I don't know that he'll know how to answer that or know what I mean when I say like, how do you do that? But you know, how, (laughs) just how I just, I want to know how, so I don't know. I I'm I'm so excited for this. Probably the most excited for any of the games, honestly, even the, even the playoff ones. Um, I think, I mean, in the American ECU coastal Carolina is really exciting. Of course. Yes. Um, but this is more exciting. Cincy Louisville is very interesting to me. I don't know if it's exciting, but it's very intriguing. Right. This, but this is the Cotton Bowl. It's a New Year's yeah. game. I'm, you know, it's Tulane. You never see Tulane as well. I know. And if they it's beat like, a Pac-12 team, it's going to be like. Would you argue this? Okay, so last year we get Cincy playing in the playoff. They play Alabama. Mm-hmm. They obviously get murdered. Whatever. That's how that goes. Do you think if? Tulane wins this game against USC in the Cotton Bowl, that that is a bigger deal than Cincinnati merely going to the playoffs. No, I disagree. Ah, what? Because it was... The performance they gave? Come on. Because the fact that they got there when it was completely designed for them to never be allowed in, 
is what I'm getting. It's it's just such gain yeah. over that hump, and it's like a glass ceiling breaking versus the AAC goes to a major bowl game more or less every year. They send a team. Now Tulane is not UCF or Cincy or even Memphis or Houston. This right. Tulane team is better than that Cincinnati team because they have a complete team. They have good defense and good offense. Now they don't have a great quarterback. Like Desmond Ritter was a great quarterback, right? They lost to Southern Miss. It's not better than what Cincinnati was last year. It's just not. I think the team right now that beat UCF, the team that we're seeing now that has come through the other side and is a complete team is better than the team Cincinnati was at this time last year. Yes. Some really, really good individual pieces. I mean, We'll they see. play better defense than Cincinnati played. Oh, I disagree with that. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree. Anyways, who are you picking in this game and why is it too late? <laughs> I've gone AAC across the board. For yeah. Both. Not so, of course, yourself. you're going too late. Yeah. To yeah. Same. Well, you, you went AAC across the board except Louisville. You took Louisville because you're a hater. You yeah. hate Skyline Chile. You hate the Bearcats. <laughs> <laughs> you hate every Louisville, Louisville. I like Malik Cunningham. I told you, you that. That's why. You think the city oh of Cincinnati stinks? You you prefer Cleveland somehow? I don't know. Stop! None of these things are true. I just like Malik Cunningham. I'd like Malik Cunningham to win. I think this is he's a senior, right? This is his last game. Uh, I, he's been around I forever. So the I told I mentioned this during the Shea Wyatt uh, discussion. Yeah. Or it might even been when we weren't recording, just talking to him. But the COVID year messed me up so I bad know. for who still has eligibility. Okay, 2018, 19, 20, 22. You go to a team's website and they'll list mm-hmm. players, but some list them by academic year and some list them by, you know, playing year. So you never really know. It's Well, this was his fifth year. So if he didn't have any, if he, if, that this must have been his COVID year if he didn't have any red shirts, which I guess he could have redshirted eighteen. I don't know. So maybe he has one more year, maybe not. But I'd like to see him win. That's all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, all right, that's gonna do it for our bowl previews. We did it. We made it through. We did it. We made it through. Uh, when we started recording this episode, it was Monday. It is now Wednesday. <laughs> uh, behind the curtain, sometimes that happens where we. Yeah. When you do interviews, you have to work around people. You got to piecemeal things sometimes. That's how it works. But we got two really great interviews with two awesome players. So, But also, I think good for us is in the meantime of us recording, North Texas, one of the teams joining the American Athletic Conference who had a coach opening because they fired Seth Luttrell, which I think we both thought was at the very least bad timing. Uh, and I think you actively disliked the move to fire him. I think it was. I'm upset. Yeah. I think the timing on it was really poor on their part. Anyways, uh, they made a coaching hire. They brought in Eric Morris, who last season, or I should say this season, 2022, offense coordinator at Washington State, uh, previous experience at Texas Tech mostly. Uh, he's coached under Kevin Sumlin, Cliff Kingsbury, and he played for and coached under Mike Leach. He's an Eric guy is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh was a head coach at Incarnate Word for four seasons, I believe. Went to the FCS playoffs twice. And Incarnate I'm, Word is just having a its he, moment with all he, these coaches well, like doing well. Eric, and exactly. Well, Eric Morris built it. It was what wow. I was going to get well, at. Good for them. He built it up from very little when he got there, and got to the playoffs twice in four seasons, twenty-four and eighteen record overall. GJ Kenny, now the Texas State coach, 
took over for this season and took them back to the playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a proven program builder at smaller schools in Texas. Uh, he runs that very Texas-style offense that is the air raid. Yeah. Uh, I, he's young. I think it's mm-hmm. a good hire. I still don't agree with how they fired Seth Luttrell. Uh, but I think it was a move you saw a lot of teams in the AAC and come to the AAC make where they were like, we need a change for this new look conference. That's going to be the American in 2023. And uh, I, I don't hate the hire at all is all I'm getting at. I mean, I, 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 I like the hire. I just don't. Yeah, I agree with you. Same yeah. thing. So uh, as you say, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I don't know that there nope. is else right this moment to add. That is on it. it. But uh, yeah. All right. That's going to do it. All right, you guys, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. You can find me on Twitter at Dan underscore Morrison 96. And uh, yeah, that's about that's it. Do it. We'll, we're going to do one more episode next week to kick off bowl season. We'll have a guest and it should be fun. And then we'll be off for the holidays. So yeah. we'll see you then. Bye.